business, your life. Challenges are all around you. It seems so overwhelming. People are depending on you. Who do you listen to? Where can you go to find honest, useful information? Todd Rooker. For decades, Todd Rooker has been teaching professional education to attorneys, CPAs, bankers, and financial advisors. Rooker Financial Consulting offers advice and coaching to consumers, business owners, and financial professionals on every topic imaginable. If you truly want to succeed, sit back and find out how to cover and build your assets. Here's nationally renowned speaker and expert getting you on the path to financial strength and wealth, Todd Rooker. Good morning, folks. Welcome to Cover Your Assets. My name is Todd Rooker, and I'm going to be taking you on a path, as I always do every Saturday, uh, hopefully in uh, to some degree of education, information. Maybe it's just fun to listen uh, and uh, teach you a little more uh, about business. If you are a business person, maybe you sit around and nod your head and, or maybe you disagree. That's OK, too. Today, we're going to be talking about uh, growing a business, building a business, and really the vast chasm of difference between the majority of the population who are born uh, and weaned, maybe not born, maybe weaned, uh, taught, trained to become a thing, a cog within the wheel, and the major difference between someone who has what they consider to be a profession, that profession is building a business. They're an entrepreneur. They, they, that's what they do. You know, you meet them at a Christmas party and you say, what do you do? And they say, I'm an entrepreneur and everybody raises an eyebrow because they really have no idea what that actually means. So I'm going to tell you what that actually means. and I'm going to help you understand this and uh, provide a little insight in it. So if you are the person who wants to be a business builder, who uh, maybe is trying to do that but struggling a little bit, or uh, even if you're not, uh, and you're just uh, work for a company, you are a practitioner, um, I'm going to give you a shed some light on some of this stuff. So a lot of people will call themselves a business person. And, you know, it, 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 we could argue that it means different things to varying people. But in, in my, in this context, in my definition, a business person is someone who builds a business. You know, a lot of folks, you know, if somebody's a CPA or somebody's an MBA or somebody's, you know, an accountant, people will say they're a business person or maybe they're in mergers and acquisitions. They're a business person. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about somebody who is building a business, a company, and that company will have a sale value, an asset value that that can be sold. And it has generally many people working for it. It owns assets. It has it has value. That's very different. And so let's begin talking about that. So first, a practitioner is somebody who, you know, practices a trade or a job. They get paid for doing a thing. They try to do that thing the best they can. They try to elevate themselves through, you know, by increasing their pay through demonstrating their effectiveness. And or maybe they're trying to just advance in the company, but they start off being being a thing. You know, they're a marketing person or they're a whatever. <clears throat> and this is what most all of you understand to be work. Um, you know, and, and when you go out into the world, of course, that's what you're going to do, right? 
And I can point to a handful of people who that was never the thing that they did. Or even if they did, they were only learning so that they could go on to 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 build their own business, build their own company. Now, these people are rare. These people are rare. And, uh, and uh, that's why I know so few people understand it, because they are unique. So most people are going to be a practitioner, and it's not surprising that most everybody uh, understands that, because we are raised, and as I like to say, maybe indoctrinated into becoming a thing, because that's what most people will be. You know, when you when there's a company owner and there's a thousand people working at the company, there's only one company owner, and there's a whole bunch of other people who aren't, and they are practitioners, they are workers. And so it is not surprising as a percentage that most people really don't understand it because they've never aspired to that. Nobody's ever told them that they should, and maybe they don't even know anybody else who has. So I'm going to try to explain that. But, you know, with that little analogy that I just gave, you have to understand that the hive needs worker bees. And we are all taught because when you think about what what controls the system, whatever the system is, uh, it's it's government and and big business that that's what is in control. That's what is is uh, supporting and and benefiting the educational system. And look, man, if I'm going to give money to something that I want to influence what it does and the educational system teaches people to do that. And that's really not a bad thing, because remember, it is true that the majority of people, that's what they're going to be. Uh, but there's not a lot out there to teach people entrepreneurialism. Now, I know that there's some colleges now today that have begun teaching entrepreneurialism. I don't know how well populated those classes are to begin with, and I don't know how serious they are about really teaching people how to be entrepreneurs, frankly. Um, but but I have always um, looked at myself that way, and yet the truth is for a lot of my working life, I've not actually been that in the way that I'm describing here. And remember, the, the more you're involved with something that is a proven path, very likely the less you are a business, a business owner or entrepreneur. Uh, because that's that when we're, when we're taught to cling to security and stability, always remember this. Your goal as an individual might be that you want to make as much money as you can and be successful as you can be within that role that you do uh, for, you know, for a business, for a company whom you work for it, it, that may be, but that's your agenda. The agenda of a business is to make a profit and a profit is not what it pays in wages. A profit is a, is a, is a margin, an amount of, of income that is, that is retained after all of the expenses are paid. And that includes the people who are working. So your your goal of making as much money as you possibly can for the work that you do, and the goal of a business to create a profit, run in direct competition with one another. Uh, because if the business pays everybody more money, then the business has no profit. And so when you think about a business, uh, it's interesting because we just had, I, I was just I had I attended a meeting on behalf of a client and somebody who was running a nonprofit was using the term loosely, uh, a franchise. And franchising is a, is a, is a concept that most people are familiar with. And it really 
follows down that proven path that I'm talking about. So corporate people oftentimes, you know, they'll save, they'll, they'll work hard for years, maybe decades. And then some, at some point they decide to liquidate their 401k and buy a franchise. Well, a franchise is something that, that, that works well or, or is, is, uh, uh, you know, uh, comports well with their thinking because it's a proven path and a, and a recipe or a formula, and it doesn't throw them out into the ocean to swim all by themselves. They've got a proven path and a formula. And as a result of having that proof path formula, you're going to make less money. If this is the first time you've ever heard that, you need to know that. Franchises are really not all that profitable for the people who buy, purchase, and work in the franchise. And they never will be. And so at this meeting, the person who was running the nonprofit was using the term that they were going to franchise their business loosely. And I had to laugh because I, I understand a franchise in this way. When a business wants to expand and succeed, they need money to do it. It's important to understand this uh, because when you're a growing business, you are going to ultimately have to burn cash as you grow and burning cash is characterized or defined as you're going to have to spend money that you're and you're not getting a return on that money because you have to bring people and your and build your organization to a point where each member is proficient in so much as they're making the business with the efforts and the work that they do more money than they're making. And that that in and of itself is an interesting thing, because when I hire someone to do whatever role it is that I'm hiring for at that particular time, I might be looking for someone with experience. However, that experience may not necessarily be, it's certainly not 100% applicable to the job that I want to do, even though the title and the role is the same. Because the way I run my business and the things that I do and the things that I want that business uh, to, to, to do in, and in the ways that it does it might differ from what they were accustomed to in the experience that they gleaned doing the same job, role, or title somewhere else. And so when someone comes to work for me, despite the fact that they may have experience, it may take them several months of, of getting their feet under them to learn our systems, our way of doing business, before they actually get to a point where they are proficient. They are actually making my business as much or more money than I'm paying them. This is, of course, assuming that... You've got a you know a, a good a good employee a good worker what have you. Well, imagine that if I bring ten people on, and those ten people, each of them, are going to take you know three months before they reach that level of proficiency. That means that I'm paying them more money in the first three months than what they're making. That's a lot of money. Where am I going to get that money? Well, if you're a small business owner who often thinks like an employee, an employee thinks this way. It's all about fulfillment. It's all about having a good life. It's all about enjoying life. And so their small business is nothing more than a tool to give them more lifestyle. Well, that means that whatever it is that they're making in the business, whether they're working a role and being paid as a practitioner, and maybe the business makes a little bit more on top of that, whatever that money is in their minds, most often, that's just money for them to go and buy a lake home or a boat or a new house or car or whatever. So where in the world is the money ever going to come from 
to be able to burn cash and grow that business. If you don't understand what I just said, you should recognize that's the reason that most small businesses remain small right there. So if you want to build a company, most often you're never building it with organic profits, definition of organic profits. You're making money, you're saving that money, and then you're using that to reinvest and grow the business. It's not what most small business owners do because they have a mindset of a consumer and a, and a worker because that's what they were before they started their little business. And so they're still in their minds traveling that path. And the only thing a business does is give them more control, more freedom and allows them to potentially make more money. And all that more money is, is simply so that they can have a better life. So they spend everything they make and they don't save the money to reinvest back into the business. And even if they did, the amount of money that they earn in profit is generally not enough to build that business at any reasonable accelerated pace, meaning the growth will be very minimal and very small. You know, maybe over 20 years, they get to a point where they've got 10 or 20 employees. Maybe, maybe, maybe. And even that's rare. Most often, it'll be them and two other people, maybe. So... To do that, you need money. You need an injection of money. You should have a good business plan, of course, but you need money. Where's that money going to come from? Well, typically, the way to grow a business is with other people's money. So other people's money comes in the way of bank financing or it comes in the way of partners who will invest, investors, or it comes in the way of franchising. That's where you get the money to grow. And these are large chunks of money, and that's why the growth can accelerate and happen pretty quickly. So in the way or the case of a bank loan, that means that let's imagine that you've got one location that your business operates out of and you want to own five. Well, if you go and get a bank loan for each one of these new locations, each one of these new locations needs to be brought up to speed. It needs to be run profitably in so much as it has to be able to make enough money to make the payments on all of those loans. So there's pressure and the business has to be managed properly across the board, not just the one successful location that you live at and you, you dwell in. You know, you work out of this office and you've got your finger on the pulse of everything. But if you've got five locations, how are you going to live out of five locations simultaneously and keep your finger on the pulse of all five locations? <laughs> it, it introduces a level of complexity, doesn't it? You've got to have other people who are going to run those things with the same mindset of making the business a profit. Not just them making an income, making the business a profit. And and by the way, those people who make a profit may or may not get anything personally out of helping that business make a profit. So there may be a little bit of a rift in there. So you got to make that happen. You got to be able to make those loans, pay those loans back. And that business will continually be on the grow because if I build it to a point where I have five, why don't I want 10? And when does it stop? And the answer is it should never stop. A business is either growing or it's declining and it is never staying the same. That's why when people say things like, why can't you just be happy? One's enough enough. It's a stupid statement. It's like asking me, when is my race car too fast? Or when am I, if I work out, when am I too strong? Or when can I run fast? When do I not need to run any faster? That there's no such thing. There is only progress. And the human being who owns a business, who runs a business, who is an entrepreneur, absolutely needs progress ongoing forever.
So when you want that business to grow, each time it expands, it it represents another challenge because most likely you've got to get another loan. So if you're a business owner, you need to become comfortable with having loans and financing. Therein lies another reason why small businesses don't grow because many people in small businesses come from the practitioner setting and they are all about owning their house with no loan, paying for everything with cash and don't want to owe anybody any money. And that's why their businesses aren't going to grow. And they just want to be happy and they don't want to build a business of a thousand people or a hundred people or build a company that can be sold for 10 million, 20 million, a hundred million. It's not what they want. I'm talking to you right now about the people who do want to do that. That's what I'm talking about. Just so we're clear. So doing that has a level of challenge, but I'll tell you this, if you can grow your business and expand it with a loan, it's a much better than the next one that I'm going to tell you. And that is through a partnership, and that is through people who will who will uh, invest in your business. Because now profit becomes everything because the only reason they're investing in your business is because they get return on investment. And so if your business is not profitable, there's no profit to distribute amongst the investors, and they become very unhappy, and you are beholden to them every minute. Let's take a break. We'll be right right back talking about the ways you grow a business. And we'll get to that franchise point that I made earlier. We'll be right back. Are you missing anything in your plan? Find out with JLN Financial's Retirement Checklist. If you can check all the boxes on the list, you may be ready for retirement. If not, Jay Allen Financial can help. Get this checklist now at rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash checklist challenge. Jay Allen Financial offers insurance services. Investing involves risk. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and Jay Allen Financial are not affiliated companies. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the WOW experience. If you or anyone you know are in a financially challenged situation, listen. My name is Todd Rooker. For over 20 years, I've been helping people strategically plan for and deal with a financial crisis. My typical client may have previously had a substantial net worth and are now in fear of losing their personal home. My clients will often say, in the past, I was financially successful. However, at this point, I'm exhausting all of my financial resources trying to make my payments on time. I feel as though I'm simply delaying the inevitable by throwing good money after bad. So my questions are, Todd, do I just let the bank liquidate my business? Do I need to consider things like foreclosure, short sale, Dean and Lou, loan modification, credit counseling, or even bankruptcy? And then most importantly, how do I minimize the damage and rebuild my life when this disaster is over? This is my world, and I teach classes on those very topics. So if you or anyone you know is in this situation or you want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. Hey, are you considering something exceptional to set your home apart and highlight its curb appeal? How about the rich look of custom copper gutters? Copper gutters are not only beautiful, they also offer timeless durability. 
William Voss with Gutter Solutions installed my beautiful copper gutters. I get compliments every day. If you're looking for extraordinary craftsmanship and would like to consider something truly special, call him at 612-834-0664 or go to their website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Ask for Billy. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. So we left off at uh, investors, and those investors could be private. They could be they could be public. They could maybe maybe you took the company public, and that's the way you garnered investors. Or maybe you simply uh, got uh, individual people. Maybe they were accredited investors. Um, maybe they were just simply partners. But these people sit on the board and they're interested in the business, maybe not to save the world and to have this, you know, I'm going to help everybody. But how much money is this business making? And those people are influencing that business to show a profit often, not often, but some mad. Yeah, often, actually, to show a profit quarterly and annually, because businesses that have partners and investors are businesses that most of the time have goals for the year and even analysts give them, give people projections of what they think the performance will be. And now it is up to the folks running the business to accomplish that. And there's a lot of pressure to do that. And sometimes at the detriment of the business long term and overall. Because they have these people and they have to appease them. They have to satisfy them. And it changes the way that they run a business. It kind of sucks. And so that's another way to get money to grow your business. The next one is franchising. Now, this is king in my mind. And here's why. You take people like those folks I make jokes about, the 401k speakers. And remember, it has nothing to do with whether they have a 401k. They're employees, they're practitioner mindset. They're really not business people. They are people who maybe daydreamed about having their own business, but God forbid they never start anything from ground zero on their own. So they do a franchise. And the income and the job that they had before, maybe the bar wasn't very high because they didn't do very well. But you'll take this person who might have made a reasonably good income. They'll take all their money, the equity from their home. They'll take all of the money from their retirement account. Remember, when you're when you're trying to expand a business, you need other people's money, right? We're going down that path. So now somebody else is using their own money to buy that franchise. And now because they have a, a, a uh, what, mental ownership of that business, it's their business, now they are willing to work harder for less money than they would ever be willing to do for anybody else, and they're using their money that is on the line to do it. They purchase that franchise. You sold them that franchise for a chunk of money, and all that was was an operating procedure to run that business. You know, kind of like you can relate to McDonald's or Subway Sub Shops or whatever. 
And here's the good news for you who's expanding your business through people buying franchises. They are paying a percentage of their gross revenue right off the top to you as the person who they bought the franchise from. Well, look, I want to tell you something. I work with business owners every day. And the number of businesses that net net, meaning after I pay all the employees, and that includes the business owner for whatever they do. If I buy a business, I don't want to do the, I don't want to become an electrician or an accountant or whatever the heck it is I'm going to buy. I just want to buy the business because the business will generate a rate of return that would be better than I get when I stick my money in an index fund. That's it. That's why I'm buying it. So when I buy that business, I want to be able to make a profit. Well, the number of small businesses that have a net net profit after everybody's paid of of 10% is few and far between. So when you expand your business into more locations like the five that I mentioned earlier, after you pay the loans and pay everybody off, if you're making a 10% margin on every one of those locations, you're killing it. It's not easy. And the number of businesses that I work with that have a net net margin that's between five and 10% is the majority. Well, imagine this. What if the franchise person, the guy who bought the franchise from me has to pay 10% of their profits, profits, 10% of their gross revenue, forgive me, 10% of their gross revenue. So let's make a point here. If I make a million dollars in this business and I have a net net margin of 10%, it means after I pay everybody, I make $100,000. Well, imagine if I start spending 5% on marketing, I just cut my, 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 my profit margin in half if I use 5% on the gross revenue, which translates into 50% of the profit. Imagine if somebody buys a franchise from you and they have to pay 10% of gross right off the top and it you don't have to worry one iota as to whether or not they got enough money to pay their employees or anything else because it's their problem. It does you don't have to worry about any of that. You just get 10% right off the top and you get their blood because if they go down, they go down and you have made all the money until they do. What a perfect way to expand the business. What a beautiful way to expand a business. That's what franchising is, folks. <laughs> That's what it is. Do you know that when you buy a McDonald's franchise, you don't even get to own the land that you build this multi-million dollar building on, that McDonald's owns that wonderful location, that best location that you could possibly find. They own the land and you put a building on it and you pay for that land with the business you create and you pay the franchise fee. Wow, what a great business plan for the people who are building their business by offering franchises to other people who have no idea what they're doing. Let's <laughs> take a break. We'll be right back. Fix Auto has been the collision repair leader in the Twin Cities for over 40 years. Hi, I'm Matt Feehan, second generation owner. Our mission at Fix Auto is to provide you with the simplest collision repair experience anywhere. If you're in an accident and you need help, my team is here and ready for you. You can find us on the web at fixautousa.com. That's fixautousa.com. We are Fix Auto, home of the wow experience. Does your sump pump run constantly? Do you want to ensure that you never have a damp, musty-smelling basement? These issues are caused by water coming off your roof, draining into your basement. 
gutters can resolve these problems. William Foss is the owner of Seamless Solutions. He is honest and trustworthy. He is simply the best. If you need gutters or leaf covers, he is the guy to call. You can call him at 612-834-0664 or go to his website, SeamlessSolutionsMN.com. Hi, I'm Kimberly Nibo with the Kimberly Nibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnibo.com. Finding a good banker and CPA are like having a good doctor or mechanic. You cannot fully appreciate the value they represent until you're in a pinch and truly need them. However, that's not the time to go looking for one. Instead, you want to position and strategize well in advance for a favorable outcome. CPA Arliss Cleveland of Arliss Cleveland LTD is the CPA firm you've been looking for. As many of you already know, if you're looking for a great CPA, Arliss Cleveland gets my highest endorsement. Arliss Cleveland LTD has now formed a strategic relationship with Village Bank, conveniently located in the Village Bank building, located at 9298 Central Avenue North, Suite 412 Blaine, Minnesota. You can also find Arliss Cleveland LTD certified public accountants and consultants by going to accountingoffices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. That contact information again, accounting-offices.net or by simply calling 763-786-0639. Todd Rooker here to tell you about the most amazing jewelry store, Golden Treasures on 805 Grand Avenue in St. Paul. I've known the owner, Todd Gimble, for almost 20 years now, and at Golden Treasures, not only do you get more for less, it's the experience that you and your special person will feel when you walk in the door. Todd truly puts his heart and soul into creating your experience, regardless of how much money you spend. This is Todd's customer for life philosophy. Take it from me, there really is no other jewelry store. You can't go wrong with Golden Treasures in St. Paul. 651-227-2711. That's 651-227-2711. I have trusted attorney Brian Aho for more than 10 years to work closely with me to resolve and eliminate debt for many of my personal and business clients. Aho Law Office is the go-to firm I choose because Brian has always been caring and compassionate with my clients while tenaciously fighting to retain as much of their assets as possible while quickly eliminating their debt. Brian's extensive experience and knowledge of bankruptcy law and willingness to fight allow him to resolve challenges and cases that many attorneys won't. Don't let other attorneys learn on your dime. Rely on the experience of Aho Law Office to help you achieve relief from your creditors. Competent, compassionate legal advocates providing the clarity to protect tomorrow. For more information, call Brian and his staff at 612-271-4047 or email Brian directly at brian at aholawoffice.com. Again, that number is 612-271-4047. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Welcome back. Welcome back. So, look, maybe you're out there and you're saying, ah, you know what you're talking about, franchises, that franchise fee, that goes for marketing and a whole bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I'm aware of all of that. I'm aware of all that, but here, you know, here's the thing, guys. Uh, the great news about the franchisor and you, the franchisee who bought it, is that 
they don't have to concern themselves with whether you're succeeding or not. You're paying regardless. <laughs> and that is a great thing for them because basically if they expanded their business and they were on the hook for the loans with the banks or all of the investors, wow, that'd be enormous pressure. But see, they're not on the hook for anything. If you fail, doesn't bother them at all. I mean, they don't want you to fail because they're making a money, but they're not on the hook. And they can expand their business to a thousand locations throughout the world or whatever. And they did it with all other people's money. And they got people to work hard to succeed in a way that they would have never gotten those same people to work with that same effort and drive if they had employed them as employees. I mean, look, for most people in in businesses, in, in a relative short order, employees, uh, it, 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 relatively short, come to the conclusion or settle into the idea that they just want to work hard enough not to get fired while being paid just enough to satisfy that employee so they don't quit or get, you know, um, so they work hard enough so they don't get fired and people pay them just enough so they don't quit. What a depressing uh, proposition that is. But that's the reality for a lot of people. And I know that. And you have to, again, recognize that the, the goals of a business and the goals of its employees are, generally speaking, running in direct conflict with one another. I mean, let's get real. A company's goal is not to make their employees rich. A company's goals are to make the company successful, not the employee. We want to pay people enough that they're happy. That's why we want them to learn just just be happy. Because we don't want to have to pay them more and more and more because then we don't make any money, right? And here's the thing. If you think I'm saying negative things about this, I think the concept of franchising is ingenious. I love it. I have helped. uh, I analyze franchises for clients all the time. Some are better than others. Some are worse. Uh, I've also helped two companies franchise their concept. So I am entirely aware of how this works. And I think it's wonderful for the people who pay me to help them with it. The people who buy them, well, you know, they're not very profitable. And, and, you know, if you do buy one, you figure out pretty quickly that unless you own five or 10, you're not going to make a lot of money. Now, once you start doing that, now your volume's large enough, even though your margin is small, start making pretty big money. But then you got a lot of money involved here too. Kind of reminds me of farming, you know? You're also putting all your eggs in one basket. Well, and that, you know. Man, you, you, you own 10, 20 Subway restaurants. One big controversy with Subway. Suddenly, all your businesses are failing. Talk to people who own franchises and see if what I'm saying isn't correct. Um, it, it, it is that way. And why is it that way? Because you chose to go down a well-heeled path because you were afraid. Because you were taught to, to shun uh, any type of risk whatsoever and you're, you cling to safety and security and that way you'll stay a good productive worker until we put you in the ground or you retire, whichever comes first. <laughs> and that's what you're taught. That's what you're taught. So when you're a business owner, you have a different perspective on things and you want to create not so much income, but net worth. Goal, you want to build an asset that's worth millions of dollars and it's and it's a different thing. And as an employee, you will never be paid 
most of the time, most often, some, sometimes, you know, if you're the CEO of a major corporation, you make millions of dollars. That's a different thing because those people are like professional athletes. That's very different. But for the majority, you might be paid a really good income. You might be paid two, three hundred thousand dollars a year and sometimes more than that. But you're never going to make the millions and millions of dollars that the business owners are earning. And remember that even when they take on partners and or go public, that is really still to make a handful of people who started the business multi ultra rich. That's really what that's about. Now, their margins will go down, too, because they sell portions of that company through equity shares. Fair enough. But remember, what they do own now is now even bigger than it was before because the overall volume of the business is bigger, even though the margins have gone down. So all of that stuff makes sense. And if you're a business owner mindset, you understand this and you gravitate towards it. Most don't. And I'll just lay this on you. How many people do you think? Have the have the the gumption to be involved in a in a in anything where they would only be paid. I mean, one hundred percent of their pay would be completely conditioned upon their performance. Would you be willing to do that? How many people do you know who you work with who would be willing to do that? See, that is what an entrepreneur is. They are willing to go out into the world and make it happen. And if they don't, they starve. And so. As folks who are who, who want to have the potential to make a lot of money in the way of building a business, building a company, making millions of dollars, they have thrown off the 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 chains of servitude to say, I am willing to put myself out there. I believe in myself and I sink or swim will make this work. Not very many people have that. And for the, and those people will make the most amount of money. But for the people who don't, they may be doing a job that pays a lot more. So imagine that you are a, 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 a what? Well, you're a technician. And the product or service offering that you have, the consumer pays $150 an hour, yet you're paid $50 an hour. Well, the upside potential would then be defined as $150 an hour. So if you went out on your own and you had all the expenses that would be coupled with making that $150, but you could make much more than the $50 an hour that you're paid, but it would be completely dependent upon the business that you brought in sink or swim. So those who are willing to do that have that that strength of character to be willing to do that. They believe in themselves and they're rare. The majority of people give away that upside potential and say, I, I, I don't need that. I want security. And so because they want security, they give away the upside potential to be able to have a consistent income and a job where they may be working at top efficiency or not. And they get paid that same amount of money and it's dependable and it's security. And that's what most people are desirous of. So that's what makes it hard to become a business owner. Even a person who's in sales who is 100% commission, that alone, how many people are willing to do that? And how many, how many of them are there? Most people today in sales are getting a base plus commission because if there weren't a base, they'd have never even ventured into it. Now that they've been doing it long enough, now they, 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 their, their, their income is really tied pretty much all to what they're doing, but they would have never taken that job in the beginning unless there was a base. Imagine starting a job from the beginning where 100% of your income is based on performance. Whoa, those people are few and far between. Would you agree with me? 
Well, now when you go to a business owner where you're going to have other people depending upon you and you've got that exact same scenario, but now not only are you having to feed yourself, but you've got other people who are planning their lives around the income that you make and pay them within your business. Now it's gotten even more rare. So those are what entrepreneurs are. So how do you do it? Well, the first thing you got to do is you got to come up with an offering, something that people want, need, and are willing to pay for. Whatever that offering is, um, you know, you're going to provide it. People want it. People, Deep fried hog gels. Yeah, maybe. maybe yeah, and, and you know what? Anything new. It could be new. And that's a whole nother can of worms because it's easier to sell a product or service that when you say the thing, people immediately identify with what it is. You come up with something new that nobody's ever heard of before. Now you're really pushing a barrel up a hill. Uh, even if it's the greatest thing in the world, you got to convince people because nobody knows what the heck you're talking about. So whatever that is. You gotta, you gotta have that thing. You gotta figure out what that is. You gotta understand whether or not you're gonna be operating on volume or whether or not you're gonna be operating on a unique product or service that, that you produce just for that person uniquely. So that's a whole nother can of worms too. Then you have to be conscious of marketing. Marketing is the most important thing, but marketing doesn't necessarily translate into sales, which is to say that marketing and sales is different. I talked already about the fact that is this something people are aware of and that's branding is you're going to create branding. So when you say the word, when you advertise it, when people talk about it, that word, that term, that business, that name of your business immediately in their minds is indicative of something. And you're creating that something over time, but it would be great if whatever that name was from the very beginning already was illustrating or indicating that thing. It makes it that much easier. So you got branding, you got marketing, you got sales, and they're all different and they're all separate. And most people think they're pretty much all the same thing. And they're not. They're all different. Everyone's different. And you have people who are in every one of those different roles within a corporation because each one is a job, a profession, a career path unto itself. But for small business owners, the whole concept is lost on them. So marketing is most certainly... Assuming you have a brand, you have a, 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 a you know, some type of, of uh, logo recognition. Well, now you got to market it. And then that marketing has to translate into sales. Your goal with marketing is to produce more people who want of what you have than you can possibly offer. That way you're not having to take anything and everything that comes in the door, some of which may not be profitable and may actually cost you more money than than what you're offering. So you want to be in a position where you have produced through your marketing efforts vastly more than you could ever handle, which gives you the strength and the capacity to pick and choose the jobs, the work, the most profitable. That's what you want to do. Now, In the beginning, you're going to do the thing. You're the one who's going to be doing the thing. But from the very beginning, you have to build and systematize all of the things that you do, all of the different aspects of what it takes from start to finish to create that product, to market that product, to sell that product, to provide it, and then offer customer service thereafter. And when you start, you're wearing every single one of those hats. Not to mention the accounting. (laughs) So you got to do all that. But see, inevitably, as you grow, if that is your intention, you're an entrepreneur, you want to build a company that has an ultimate sales value. 
Every one of those positions is going to be at some point occupied by an individual. And you want to be able to bring in an individual and bring them up to speed to work and function in the way that you want them to operate within your organization. And you want to be able to do it very quickly. It might take you a long time to figure this out. But when you hire a person, you can't afford for it to take them as long to figure it out because you'll go broke burning cash until they get to proficiency. So that is what I like to call SOPs, standard operating procedure. When you franchise a business, you're doing color by numbers. That's why McDonald's has McDonald's school. They're teaching you how to do everything right down to putting ketchup on the hamburgers. Every single thing is built around the notion that a third grader could figure it out. You have to do that with a business that you want to scale. You don't just hire people. You've got to have a system to automate and bring people up to speed as quickly as you can, knowing that people are going to come and go. And when somebody goes, you can't be out uh, on the lurch. You've got to be able to bring another person in and bring them right back up to speed. So when you build a business on your own, assuming that you want to build a business that is going to be occupied and employing many other people and has an ultimate sales uh, a sale value down the road, from the very beginning, you're taking infinitely more time to do that job because you're creating a system that you'll be able to hand off to somebody else and then you'll go on to the next one and the next one and the next one. Let's take another break. We'll be right back talking about the vast difference between building a business and being a practitioner employee. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Kimberly Naibo with the Kimberly Naibo Insurance Agency, serving the community for over 27 years. People tend to be most concerned with price. That is, of course, until something goes wrong. Then the only thing they care about is their coverage. My experience enables me to uncover every available discount. I could save you up to 40% while still offering the proper coverage for the people you care about. Call today for a free review at 763-571-6111 or email me at kim at kimnaibo.com. Social Security, you've spent your entire working life paying into it, so don't you want to get the most out of it? Jim Baer and his team at J. Allen Financial can show you ways to do that with their free Social Security report. Download your copy today at rhythmofretirement.com slash social security. That's rhythmofretirement.com slash social security. J. Allen Financial offers insurance services, investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC, AEWM, AEWM, and J. Allen Financial are not affiliated companies. J. Allen Financial is not affiliated with or endorsed by the U.S. government or governmental agency. Hi, this is Troy Danner of Danner's Cabinet Shop. My family has been building custom cabinets and countertops for homes in Minnesota for over 50 years. We still make the cabinets the way my grandpa did when he founded our company. My team of skilled craftsmen pride themselves on attention to detail and making sure every element of your project goes perfectly. Give me a call at 763-753-4002 or visit us online at dannerscabinets.com. If you're in a financially challenged situation or want to ensure that you never are, I have the knowledge and the information you're looking for. My name is Todd Rooker. When you want information on today's most pressing economic and financial pressures, who do you talk to? Their attorneys, CPAs, financial advisors, mortgage brokers, and real estate agents. Everyone has a different opinion, and these professionals do not always work well together. It's not enough to find an expert in one area. You need a comprehensive approach that 
that addresses all of your concerns and enables you to create an overall plan. I have over 20 years experience in this highly specialized field and it is my job to work with all of the professionals previously mentioned and know much of what they know allowing me to provide you with a cohesive and unbiased strategy that addresses everything related to your situation. I will help you to strategically plan for a financial crisis, minimize the damage, recover quickly and most importantly, help ensure that you're never here again. You have a lot more options than you think, but don't waste time. Go to CYA21.com and get my free download, Financial Crisis Bible, or call us at 763-559-3800. That number again, 763-559-3800. You're listening to Cover Your Assets with Todd Rooker. Okay. So, if you've been listening to me so far, you understand that most likely, if I am trying to build and expand the business, uh, I almost without exception, would rather get my money from a bank than from a an investor. Uh, certainly, if, if if that person is any... I, I hate doing business with family and friends. It's a terrible idea all the time, every time, no exceptions, and people do it all the time. I'm well aware of it because everybody thinks their family and friends are different, and they're not, but everybody thinks so. So <clears throat> imagine, number one, working with a bank... I'm not interested in how much the loan balance outstanding is when I take out a loan for a business. I'm only interested in what is the monthly payment. In other words, when I when I take out a loan, the debt service or duty that I'm going to pay on that money on a monthly, consistent monthly basis, if I can use that money and while making those payments, make a profit above and beyond what I would have otherwise made, I am receiving return on investment for that loan. I do not waste my time thinking about, well, yeah, I made a profit, but the reality is I still owe this much money. No, no. You have to become comfortable as a business owner that there will never be a time that you won't have financing if you are continually on the grow. See, that's the thing. You're never going to stop growing ever until you are done, until you sell it. You never stop growing, which means you are never going to stop getting financing. You got this loan paid off. Now you go get another loan. Keep going. You keep going. You keep going. So you're never really looking at how much I owe. But see, to the common man who wants to own everything and not owe anybody and pay off their house and they think they're killing it because they do do that, that's their perception of the world. And that's why they're not and never will be real business people. So you got to understand how it works. Uh, I don't want to be beholden to a a, a partner who now has say in my business and knows absolutely nothing about it and isn't involved in the day by day. Not to mention the fact that in a business, there's really only room for one cook in the kitchen anyway. The minute you get more than one person in there, the, the vision gets distorted. And the fact that you and this person were friends since high school has means nothing. The reality is it's a problem. And not to mention from the investor perspective, imagine this. Why is this person coming to you to invest in their business? Well, simply because he can't get a loan at the bank. That's why. <laughs> and why won't the bank give him a loan? Because it's too risky. So what does that tell you about being an investor? So you have to recognize that if you do want to be able to get bank loans and financing, you need to understand how banking and financing works and how to position your financial life and the way you look on paper to make yourself attractive for financing, which means you literally need to operate your life in a way that allows you to get loans. 
you it isn't just about having an 800 credit score, folks. When it comes to a business loan, there's a whole lot more involved. And one of those things is that you actually know what you're doing and talking about. When a, when you go in to talk to a bank about a business loan, a business loan, and mind you, when you buy real investment real estate, you're basically buying a business in a box because that is what, what a piece of investment real estate is. It may lack some complexity because you don't have 50 employees, but at the end of the day, it's got revenue coming in, it's got operational expenses, and presumably, if you're lucky, it's got profit at the end. So you walk into a bank and you show them your personal financial profile, and that comes in the way of bank statements, check stubs, tax returns, and a personal financial statement. When you bring that in, they are going to immediately start questioning you and challenging you on some of those numbers in such a way that they're trying to see if you can defend those numbers. Because if all you know how to do is to go to your CPA and get a printout and hand it to the bank, that means you have no clue what you're doing. Do you know how many small business owners that, that would, def- that would describe right there? That's all they know about their books. Never mind that they've got 10, 20 employees. They think they're geniuses. They couldn't describe their own personal financial statement or they couldn't describe their own income or P&L or balance sheet if their life depended on it. Ask them to define how, how the CPA took depreciation on their equipment last year and they'll sit there with their mouth open and have no idea. Well, when you go into a bank to get a loan, when you are that lacking in your financial understanding, the likelihood that the bank is going to give you a loan, unless you've got so much collateral that they know that if you don't pay the payments, they're just going to take all your crap to, to pay the loan. The likelihood you're going to get a loan without that collateral is slim and none. So you have to learn how to position yourself for financing if you want to grow a business. It's it's that simple. That's why when I say to people, you will become a financial person. They think because I used to be involved in the advisory business that I'm talking about you have to learn how to how to how to buy and sell your own stocks or position your 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 allocation of funds within your 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 retirement account. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm telling you, you have to learn how money and finance works, how you're being looked at, and then how to manipulate your own personal profile into such a thing that you look attractive for financing to grow your business because never-endingly, you're going to need financing to grow that business to a point where you sell it for 10 or $20 million. That's what you have to know. And if you're that type of person, if you are that person who describes themselves as an entrepreneur, and I don't necessarily mean a serial entrepreneur because you've been in 16 uh, MLMs, you know, uh, whatever they are, MLMs, uh, multi-level marketing businesses. That's not what I'm talking about. If you're, if you're really a person who strives to be a business owner, you are all about the numbers. You want to know the numbers. You understand the psychology of people. You're learning how to manage. You're learning uh, how to position your product, all these things. Then you're the kind of person I want to talk to. Because when I work with my clients, that is what I do. That is what we talk about. And this is a rare and unique thing. But if you are in that rarefied air, you have the potential to become enormously successful. And no matter how lacking you are in your understanding, if you have the mindset and you have the drive, then you can do it. It is that simple. I don't care who you are. I don't care how lacking you are in certain areas. It's all about a mindset. And if you believe that you can do it and you're willing to do whatever it takes 
whatever it takes. You know, these people, they don't even, they don't show up for work. They're late. When they are at work, they don't do anything. Look, you can't be that type of person. You have to be willing to do whatever it takes. The, the idea that, that you and your wife need to have quality time. And if you're at work more than 40 hours a week, your spouse is not happy. Well, you're never going to be that. You're never going to be that. Um, business owners work hard. Lots of kids of business owners uh, don't ever want to be business owners because they saw their parents work so hard and their parents didn't succeed. Most of the time, the reason their parents didn't succeed is because they didn't understand the financial side of things. They might have been very hard workers, very hard workers. But you know, it's not enough to be a hard worker. It's a prerequisite. You have to be that. Of course, you have to be willing to work harder than everybody else. And that might sound like a tall order, but I'm telling you, that's just, that's a given. You got to be willing to do that. But you've got to be smart, too. And if you are, then you can be enormously uh, successful in this amazing system we have that we call the United States of America. And I'm proud to be a part of it. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bye-bye. I'd like to talk with you about financial coaching. Traditional financial planners help you make decisions about stocks, bonds, and mutual funds with money you already have. That's great, but who helps you accumulate more money in the first place? Who helps you make day-by-day life decisions? Who isn't trying to sell you something? Like, should I go back to school? Am I wasting money on insurance? How to purchase and finance a car, boat, home, lake cabin, or investment property? How to start, manage, and sell a business? It's about making minor errors that become colossal mistakes and cost you hundreds of thousands of dollars over your lifetime. The problem is that you're so busy pursuing your career that you're forced to make critical financial decisions that have a dramatic long-term effect on your finances without adequate research or information. Rooker Financial Coaching is like having a personal CFO for every decision. Don't waste time lamenting the bad decisions of the past or money that's run through your fingertips. Stop procrastinating. Call Rooker Financial Coaching, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. Call me today, Todd Rooker, 763-559-3800. That's 763-559-3800. This has been a paid program. The views expressed were not necessarily those of the management or ownership of KSTPAM 1500 ESPN. You're listening to 1500 ESPN on KSTPAM 1500 and 94.5 HD2 Minneapolis.